Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast. We're, we're going to be talking about a coin flipping deck and a kicker deck. Alright, let's begin with the news. First of all, um, there is a crossover of Dungeons and Dragons again. So, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering are having a crossover, meaning that there's going to be a Dungeons and Dragons book for a Magic the Gathering set, specifically Theros Beyond Death. And its artwork on the front features Hakdos fighting a Hydra. So, I don't know exactly what that means but if you want to play dungeons and dragons within theros beyond death that is great because i'm pretty sure that the groups of people that play magic and the groups of people that play dungeons and dragons has a pretty big crossover okay next up is the mystery booster foil card list so mystery boosters if you don't remember are those things that they had at magic fests where you could draft them and they had six seventeen hundred cards in them and basically technically they didn't reveal uh the 121s that can 121 cards that can be found in foil which is kind of strange that they it, they just did that now. Uh, it's kind of strange that that needs to be revealed because people have been playing with it. Um, but whatever. Uh, the bigger news here is that they are going to be giving Magic the, the game, LGS's game stores. They're going to give them mystery boosters on March 13th, March 13th, which is pretty soon. So that's pretty big news and it's great to support game stores plus mystery boosters seem fun. Just if you open a mystery booster or even if you want to buy a mystery booster uh, box, don't expect to draw to to get anything really expensive. They are supposed to be priced uh, at about eight, seven, eight dollars. They're not the ten dollar packs. They're not the five dollar packs. It's something in between. Um, and if you buy a box, you're supposed to get twenty four. It's supposed to be a hundred dollars for a box. So that is the news. Uh, I think it's great to support game stores, and I think it's great to be able to open these. It's also good because the Mystery Boosters weren't really having much of an effect on price, even though they had all of these crazy reprints. Um, So, now that there's much, much more supply, even though it is so distributed... Sorry, that's my cats. I let them down here. Uh, Even though it is more distributed there is still an increase, a decrease, sorry, of price. All right, next up, we have a coin flip deck. 
Alright, so real quick, I'm going to explain the Commander Quest. So, the Commander Quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So, I'm building, like, roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So, eventually, I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what I'm working on, and that is what these decks are a part of. So, if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited. And I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play. I do when that's possible. And I do want them to be as close as possible to playable. But I'm trying to make all of these decks that. And that's really difficult. So it's not any type of competitive deck. So the commander for that is Okun, Eye of Chaos, and Zinder Split, Eye of Wisdom. So we have an Is It deck here. Okun, Eye of Chaos, is four and a red for legendary creatures, Cyclops, Berserker. Partner with Zinder Split, Eye of Wisdom. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. And whenever a player wins a coin flip, double Okun's power and toughness until end of turn. So basically, if you get lucky or if you just flip coins other ways, then you can make him absolutely massive. Next up, we have Zindersplit. 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 That's what I'm going to call him. Uh, is 4 and a blue for a 1-4. Partner with Okun. And at the beginning of your combat on your turn, uh, flip a coin until you lose a flip. And whenever a player wins a coin flip, draw a card. So if you have Zindersplit and Okun, then at the beginning of combat, you can flip two coins until you lose a coin flip. No, not, not exactly. You flip a coin until you lose a flip, and then you flip a coin until you lose a flip. So, that's pretty cool. Uh, that means that you're likely to get benefits from both of these. If you do the math, it comes out to roughly a 90% average. So a 0.9 average if you flip a coin until you lose the flip and you still get the benefit. Even if you do lose the flip, it comes out to be roughly a 0.9 average that you will get from that flipping. So with both of them, you'll get roughly a 1.8 average. So you'll draw 1.8 cards a turn or bet or double Okun's power 1.8 times. Um, obviously that's not how it works. Uh, sometimes you'll go big, sometimes you'll go small, but that's your average and your average isn't really that bad. Well, it's bad for Okun because he has to get really large. All right, let's get into the lands. We have six islands, 20, 31 mountains, and a Rogue's Passage. Rogue's Passage is a land and it has tap, add a colorless to mana pool, and four tap target creature can't be blocked this turn. This is amazing with Okun just to be able to make him unblockable. All right, mana rocks. 
we have a cold steel heart. So I actually stretched a little bit on the mana rocks. I played, I'm running 12 mana rocks and a lot of them are way too playable. But this deck wants it. So I just decided to give it and hopefully in the future I'm not burned for that. Okay, we have cold steel heart. Two for a snow artifact and it enters the battlefield tapped. And, as it, and when it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Tap, add one mana of the chosen color. Uh, we have Cryptolith Fragment. Three for an artifact. When Cryptolith Fragment enters the battlefield tapped, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Each opponent loses one life. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if each player has ten or less life, transform Cryptolith Fragment. And you get Aurora of Emrakul. Uh, one for Eldrazi Reflection with Flying and Death Touch, and whenever it attacks, each opponent loses four life. So this is kind of just a worse Manolith, because it enters tapped, and then each player loses a life, which isn't really good or bad in this deck. So, I don't know. Um... Next is Darksteel Ingot, 3 for an artifact, indestructible, tap, add 1 mana of any color. Eye of Ramos, 3 for an artifact, tap, add blue to your mana pool, and you can sack it to add blue. Fire Diamond, 2 for an artifact, and it enters the battlefield tapped, and I can tap it for a red. Forestian Totem is 3 for an artifact, tap, add a red. 4 and a red, it becomes a 4-4 red giant artifact creature creature token or artifact creature with trample until end of turn and as long as Phoresian totem is a creature it can block an additional creature so mostly it's just there to produce mana but maybe maybe I'll use that fountain of ichor three for an artifact tap add one mana of any color three Fountain of Icar becomes a 3-3 dinosaur artifact creature until end of turn. I don't know, maybe I should have saved that for a dinosaur tribal deck, but it seems like it's just a mana rock with a very, very slight upside. Uh, Fractured Power Stone is 2 for an artifact, tap at a colorless. Technically, technically, it says tap, roll the planar die, activate this ability the only time you could cast a sorcery. But we're not playing with the planar die, so it doesn't do that. It just taps for a colorless. Guardian Idol is two for an artifact, and it enters tapped, and you can tap it for a colorless, or you can pay two. Well, and I guess. Uh, you can pay two, and Guardian Idol becomes a 2 2 golem artifact creature token until end of turn. Is it Clue Stone? Is three for an artifact? Tap, add blue or red to your mana pool. And blue, red, tap, sacrifice, is it clue stone, draw a card. Is it locket? Three for an artifact, tap, add blue or red. Hybrid blue, red, hybrid blue, red, hybrid blue, red, hybrid blue, red. <sighs> sacrifice, is it locket, draw two cards. Next is manalith. Manalith is three for an artifact. Tap, add one mana of any color. Uh, to your mana pool. Wait, yeah. They got rid of that templating. Alright, boom pile. Four for an artifact, tap. Oh, sorry. 
we're into the next category, win flip. So, if you read the commanders, whenever a player wins a coin flip and then you get the effect. If it's Cinder Split, you draw a card. If it's Okun, you double his power. So, I have 45 cards that say if you win the flip, do some. First of all, we have Boom Pile. Four for an artifact. Tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy all non-land permanents. So, if I need a Wrath, then I have this. Hopefully, I win the coin flip. If I don't, I'm probably screwed. Um, but with Zender Split, I get to draw a card. Sure, Okun would get destroyed, so the doubling power doesn't matter. But it is much, much more playable in this deck than it would be in any other. Next is Chaotic Strike. Chaotic Strike is one in a red for an instant. Play Chaotic Strike only during combat after blockers are declared. Choose target creature and flip a coin. If you win the flip, that creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. And you draw a card. So, I was thinking maybe I should save this for another deck. One like Feather or something. But I already built a Feather deck. And I could potentially save it for a Zada deck. But, I just decided not to. So, yeah. Bottle of Suleiman is four for an artifact. One, sacrifice bottle of Suleiman. Put, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, bottle of Suleiman deals five damage to you. If you win the flip, put a 5-5 Kalos Jin artifact creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So, needless to say, this is an absolutely terrible card. Four, five mana. You get... An average of a 2-5-2-5 Colos Jin Artifact Creature Token with Flying, and 2.5 damage. Isn't that horrible? But in this deck, it's not justifiable. But in this deck, it's more justifiable than it would be in any other deck, because you might draw a card, and you might double his power. Uh, Chaotic Goo is to red red for summon ooze chaotic goo comes into play with three plus one plus one counters on it during your upkeep you may flip a coin if you win the flip add a plus one plus one counter on it to chaotic goo otherwise remove a plus one plus one counter from it so basically it's just a thing that lets me flip a coin every turn and on average it's not going to get smaller or bigger so that's good i guess um, Crazed Firecat. Crazed Firecat is five red red. When Crazed Firecat comes into play, flip a coin until you lose a flip. Put a plus one plus one counter on Crazed Firecat for each coin, each flip you win. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I keep on bumping into stuff. Uh, so, basically, that gives me another .9 average. So that, that's good, I guess. Seven mana for uh like an average of one trigger on zinder split no kun so an average of draw card and double his power <laughs> roughly that's okay it's not that bad creepy doll creepy doll is five for an artifact creature construct construct it's indestructible and when it deals combat damage to a creature flip a coin if you win the flip destroy that creature so it's like 
death touch, but you flip a coin. So, yeah. Crooked Scales. Crooked Scales is four for an artifact. Choose target creature you control and target creature an opponent controls. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy the creature the opponent controls. If you lose the flip, destroy the creature uh, you control unless you pay three and reflip the, reflip the coin. So you could just pay mana and flip it over and over again. So you kind of have a guaranteed win. Yay! Kind of if you pay like a lot of mana. Um, Desperate Gambit. Desperate Gambit is red for an instant. Flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip ends in, ends up in your favor, double the damage dealt by a source you control. Otherwise, you otherwise prevent all damage from that source. So, basically, you just play it on Okun, and yeah, you can you can quadruple the damage if you win, and you can half the damage if you lose. So. High risk, high reward. I mean, simply if you flipped one other coin in one one other coin flip, then that's enough to be able to kill someone. Alright, next up we have Fickle of Free. Fickle of Free is three and a red for creature of free. This is the Oracle text. Whenever Fickle of Free attacks or blocks, Flip a coin at end of combat. If you lose the flip, an opponent control an opponent gains control of flicker free fickle of free. It's a five-two. So honestly, I looked at the rulings and I looked at the eroded text. If it is, which it's not, it's not eroded at all. And there's actually nothing to clarify who it goes to. Do you choose a person? That that's what I'm guessing. But I'm not sure. There's not really any errata or any anything that makes that 100% certain. But they have when errataing other cards, they have errated it in that way. So that's my guess. Next up is Fiery Gambit. Fiery Gambit is two and a red for sorcery. Flip a coin until you lose a flip or choose to stop flipping. If you lose a flip, Fiery Gambit has no effect. If you win one or more flips, Fiery Gambit deals three damage to target creature. If you win two or more flips, Fiery Gambit deals six damage to each opponent. If you win three or more flips, draw nine cards and untap all lands you control. So here's how I would analyze it. If you choose to do one Fiery Gambit, so here's how I would analyze how many times I would choose to flip. If you choose to flip it once, then you have a 50% chance to deal 3 damage to target creature. So that's an average of 1.5 damage to target creature. If you win 2 or more flips, it will deal, you have a 1 in 4 chance for it to deal 3 damage to target creature and 6 damage to each opponent. So that's an average of roughly 1 damage to target creature. Well, really two-thirds, but that's not quite right. Uh, whatever. And roughly two damage to each opponent. Which, uh, I'd say that the second one is slightly better. 
Um, I don't know. Or you could have a 1 in 8 chance of drawing 9, untapping all my lands, and dealing 6 damage and dealing 3 damage to target creature. So on average, I would draw a card, untap one land. I'm just going to say that because like 9 lands seems about right because you're playing it after Okun, or 8 lands really. Um, you're playing it after Okun and you're trying to go off. Plus, with this, you also have the odds of uh, Okun and Zindersplit. So, I would say that you go all the way. Because then you will still get benefits from Okun and Zindersplit if you win the first and then don't win the second and third. Plus, it just gives you the best average case scenario. That's at least my logic. Um, I did round up or down a little bit, so it's not perfect. And it's also very hard to evaluate it this way, because it's like, okay, I'm dealing one damage to target creature. That's not really going to kill anything useful, but that's not really what you're evaluating. So it's not a perfect method, but, eh, whatever. Fighting Chance. Fighting Chance is red for an instant. For each blocking creature, flip a coin. If you win the flip, that creature deals no combat damage this turn. So if your opponent decides to attack you with a lot, or if anyone decides to attack anyone with a lot and they block with multiple creatures, then you just get fl coin flips for every single blocking creature. Um, it could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, who knows, maybe you're attacking and, and the other opponent is blocking. This could go so many different ways, but at the end of the day, you're probably going to get at least two coin flips on a single red instant. And that is very good. Frenetic Afrit. Frenetic Afrit is one blue red for a summon Afrit flying. Two, one. Zero, flip a coin, colon. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip ends up in your favor, frenetic afreet phases out. Otherwise, bury frenetic afreet. So, here's how this works. Flip a coin. Zero, flip a coin, and... Huh, okay. So, what you could do is you can activate that zero ability over and over and over again. So, then, it is eroded to be if you win the flip... Uh, then it phases out, otherwise bury it. So what you could do is you could just put like 80 triggers on the stack. Probably more like 160 or something. Just gamble your life away. Hopefully you don't draw your entire deck. Um, and then draw your entire deck. Hopefully you don't deck yourself and get unlucky. So then when Frenetic Afrit phases out or gets buried, you could just there's still all the other win the coin flips on the stack so you can benefit from things that let you benefit from that so that is great frenetic sliver frenetic sliver is one blue red for a creature sliver two two all slivers have zero if this creature is in play flip a coin if you win the flip remove this creature from the game and return it to play under its owner's control at end of turn if you lose the flip sacrifice it. So this seems like it would be the same thing, but it's not. Because of 
the if this creature is in play clause. They decided that when they just when they would print this again, they would get rid of that combo-ish thing. So yeah, that that's good, I guess, but I mean, at the end of the day, I can flip a coin at least once, and then if it decides to come back, I can just do it again. I mean, I'm getting an average of 0.9 wins on this card, which is good, but it's also really drawn out. So, I don't know. Uh, next, we have Game of Chaos. It's a sorcery for red, red, red. Flip a coin, target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. The loser of the flip loses one life. The winner of the flip gains one life and may choose to repeat the process. Double the stakes each time. So, if you get someone who really likes chaos, then you could just keep on doing it until you get to like 20 life. Sadly, if your opponent wins the flip, it does not count towards Zindersplit or Okun. Because of the errata, it just says, if you win the flip, you lose a life. If you lose the flip, you lose a life and an opponent chooses. Or if you win, you gain a life and you choose. So because of the errata, it will not let you draw from every single flip, sadly. Next is Goblin Archaeologist. It is one in a red for creature goblin artificer. Red, tap. If you win the flip, destroy target artifact and untap Goblin, goblin Archaeologist. If you lose, lose the flip, sacrifice Gargant Gob. Sacrifice Goblin Archaeologist. So you're paying red every time, but on average, as I've said, time and time again, you will get 0.9 coin flip wins, which is quite good. Assuming, of course, that your opponents have artifacts, which I'm sure that they will. And if there's an artifact that you really need to get rid of, then you have a 50% chance to be able to. Uh, next is Goblin Artisans. Goblin Artisans is a 1-1 Goblin. Tap uses ability only when you cast a target artifact spell. Play this ability as an interrupt. Flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip ends up in your favor, draw a card. Otherwise, counter your artifact spell. No more than one Goblin Artisans ability can target the same artis artifact spell. So how it works is whenever you cast an artifact, of which I have like 14, 15 maybe, I can flip a coin, and if I win, I just get to draw a card. And if I lose, my thing gets countered. Which kinda sucks, but eh, you, you get to flip a coin. That's all, all, that's all we want. We just wanna flip coins with unplayable cards. Goblin Bang Chuckers is two red red for creature goblin warrior. Tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, Goblin Bang Chuckers deals two damage to target creature or player. If you lose the flip, Goblin Bang Chuckers deals two damage to itself. So it could be creature removal. And you'll get an average of 0.9 wins on this, so that's not that bad. 
Goblin Bomb. Goblin Bomb is one in a red for an enchantment. During your upkeep, you may choose to flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip end up in your favor, put a fuse counter on Goblin Bomb. Otherwise, remove a fuse counter from Goblin Bomb. Remove five fuse counters from Goblin Bomb. Sacrifice Goblin Bomb. Goblin Bomb deals to 20 damage to target player. So this is quite good. Because of the way it works, you just get to flip a coin every single time. Every single upkeep. Well, every single one of your upkeeps. And if you're lucky, you might even get up to five fuse counters and be able to deal 20 damage to target player, which is a crazy amount. But that's extremely unlikely for that to happen, because first of all, it would have to be out for five turns. And second of all, you would have to win every single one of those coin flips. That is five coin flips in a row. So not so that is extremely unlikely. We're, we're talking about a 3.125 chance. And that is not very likely to happen. But if it stays around for longer, then your odds increase, I think. Yeah. But I don't know exactly how to do that math. Well, I, I probably could if I researched it and stuff. But whatever, you get the point. Uh, Goblin Festival. Goblin Festival Goblin Festival is one in a red for an enchantment. Two, Goblin Festival deals one damage to target creature or player. Flip a coin. If you lose the flip, choose one of your opponents. That player gains control of Goblin Festival. So, you can just use that two ability over and over and over again before Goblin Festival gets donated. So if you have like 10 mana, can just do that five times and then you'll get an average of two and a half wins which is great um so you probably might lose the goblin festival but you can also deal a damage to a creature or player when you're doing that over and over and over again that is quite good so it is good plus in this deck it's kind of like a red pay four mana draw card so that's good Goblin Kaboomist. Goblin Kaboomist is one in a red for creature goblin warrior. One, two. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a colorless artifact token named Landmine onto the battlefield. With red, sacrifice this artifact. This artifact deals two damage to target attacking creature without flying. Then flip a coin. If you lose the flip, Goblin Kaboomist deals two damage to itself. So you can either deal two damage to other creatures or you can deal two damage to itself plus at the beginning of the upkeep you can make it so it's sort of like making one every upkeep because the goblin kaboomist does not have to be on the battlefield in order to sacrifice the artifact so but there does have to be an attacking creature without flying which honestly i could just target okun he's getting he's getting doubled uh yeah yeah, you also do double his toughness until end of turn. Just verifying. Uh, so, it's sort of equivalent to a flip a coin every upkeep, but you can also just shoot it all at once. 
And you can also just sack it really early and not get a flip coin every upkeep. Goblin Kites. Goblin Kites is one in a red for an enchantment. Red, a target creature you control which cannot have a toughness greater than two, gains flying until end of turn. Other effects may later be used to increase the creature's toughness. At end of turn, flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip ends up in your favor, bury that creature. So I can target Okun and flip many coins. Hopefully I'm not targeting Okun because I want to be able to flip those coins and get the benefit of Okun without having to win. Uh, but I can do that and get the benefit of Zinderspult. Split. No. No. Sorry. With this, I could target Zinderspult. But then I would only get the benefit from Okun, which would be doubling the power, but it would be at end of turn that I'd be flipping it, so it wouldn't matter. Next up is Goblin Liar. Goblin Liar is three for an artifact. Zero. Sacrifice Goblin Liar. L-Y-R-E. I think it's a type of harp. Uh, flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the air. If the flip ends up in your favor, Goblin Liar deals X damage to that opponent, where X is equal to the number of creatures you control. Otherwise, Goblin Liar deals X damage to you, where X is equal to the number of creatures the opponent controls. So I just get to flip a coin, and hopefully I don't choose someone with lots of tokens and creatures, and I'm probably not going to have very many creatures. I'll probably have three or maybe four, because there's so many random creatures that have me flip coins, but it's not very much damage. Uh, but I could probably choose an opponent that doesn't have very many creatures. The issue with that is the opponent with many creatures is probably the most threatening and the one that I would want to deal damage to, but whatever. We don't know that. Plus, it's fine. It's only going to be 3 or 4 damage. It's fine to not always target the most threatening person. Goblin Psychopath is 3 and a red for a creature goblin mutant. When Goblin Psychopath attacks or blocks, flip a coin. If you lose the flip the next time it would deal combat damage this turn, it deals that damage to you instead. And it is a 5-5. Five, five. So that's pretty bad because you're just going to deal half the damage it deals to yourself which sucks but um you get to flip coins so that's all we really care about uh impulsive maneuvers impulsive maneuvers is too red red for an enchantment whenever a creature attacks flip a coin if you win the flip the next time that creature would deal combat damage this turn it deals double damage instead if you lose the flip, the next time that creature would deal damage this turn, prevent that damage. So, first of all, with Okun, I get to quadruple his power if I win the flip. Otherwise, I get to half his power, which sucks. But high risk, high reward, that's the entire point of this deck. So, first of all, I can double Okun. Plus, with when I attack with Zinder Split, I can also make him really large. So, Okun is going to be quite large. Second of all, I will draw so many cards off of Zinderspool because of winning the flips. 
It's if you win the flip. You are the one flipping the coin. You are the one winning the flip. That is awesome. Plus, it will might just disincentivize your opponents to attack. Because if you win, it's dealing double damage, but you get to draw. And if you lose, it's dealing half damage, so they don't really care. But that also might mean they just attack you a lot, in particular, to kill you? I don't know. There's only one way to find out, but overall it seems quite good. Carplusin Minotaur. Is two red red for creature Minotaur. Cumulative upkeep, flip a coin. Whenever you win a coin flip, Carplusin Minotaur deals one damage to target creature or player. And whenever you lose a coin flip, Carplusin Minotaur deals one damage to target creature or player of an opponent's control. Of an opponent's choice, sorry. So, um, you're gonna have to be somewhat political with this. Cumulative upkeep, first turn, you first upkeep you will flip one coin second upkeep you'll flip two coins third upkeep you'll flip three coins so at any point you can choose to stop flipping to just sacrifice it and not continue to flip but one of the awesome things about carplus and minotaur is it's not just for the carplus and minotaurs it's whenever at any on any trigger so it is quite good. You just have to be careful that your opponents don't decide to kill it because most likely it is one of the most threatening things that they can kill by just sniping it with one damage. Next up, we have the $200 Mana Crypt. This card is one of the best cards in Magic. And you know what? I think this is probably the best deck for it, except for like CEDH and all that other stuff whatever it's really good in this deck zero for an artifact at the beginning of your upkeep flip a coin if you lose the flip mana crypt deals three damage to you this will trigger your stuff and you can tap it to add colorless colors to your mana pool it is amazing the downside quote unquote isn't a downside it's an upside it's great Majajin. When Majajin attacks, oh, it's red, red, red. Flip a coin. If you lose the flip, remove Majajin from combat and it and tap it. So it's a six-three. So half the time you'll get to attack with it, and half the time you won't. So that's fine. I don't really care much about the attacking. I mean, damage is great and all, but. I just get to flip a coin, so that's good. Uh, I might die in combat though, which would suck. Uh, Mirror March. Mirror March is five and a red for an enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, flip a coin until you lose a flip. For each flip you won, create a token that's a copy of that creature. Those tokens gain haste, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. Whew, this deck is absolute this card is absolutely crazy in this deck first of all we are going to win an average of 0.9 cards uh, of flips per creature second of all we're gonna get an average of 0.9 copies of the creature third of all we can because it has haste get attack triggers 
on average one per creature. Fourth of all, we get ETBs. This is absolutely insane in this deck. It will trigger all of my stuff on average like three or four more times. It is just absurd. Absurdly powerful. Just really hope that you don't lose the flip in the beginning. Because that would suck. Uh, Mog Assassin. Mog Assassin is to earn a red for a goblin. 2-1. Tap. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Otherwise, destroy target creature of that opponent's choice. Um, you kind of have to really hope that you're going to win the coin flip this time. Because if you don't, they'll just kill Okun, which is like one of your main win conditions. So that's problematic. But, you know, you could win the flip too. Or maybe they'll, maybe they'll kill Mog Assassin, in which case you've got an average of 0.9. I, I don't know exactly how that card is going to turn out, but if there's a, a player that is just absolutely dominating, then you can flip it and you know what's going to get killed either way. Next is Orcish Captain. Orcish Captain is red. For a goblin. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> take back what I said about Mog Assassin. You choose the creature before you flip the coin, and the player of the creature that you chose is the one that gets to choose. Uh, so either way, you have a 50% chance of killing whatever it is. Um, and they're probably gonna want vengeance. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. That you, it might just kill stuff for you. Uh, Orcish Captain. And if they have an opponent or an important creature, though, they might decide to kill Mog Assassin. Who knows, honestly? It's red. Sorry. Next is Orcish Captain. Red for a 1 1 creature or orc warrior flip a coin if you win the flip target orc creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn if you lose the flip it gets negative zero negative two until end of turn so if you think about this what you can do is you can pay one then there's the colon and you have to choose targets so you can choose targets of the orcish captain so yes on one turn, you can pay one over and over and over again to flip that many coins. So if you have, like, eight mana, then you can flip eight coins, which is awesome. And will it fizzle because the Orcish Captain might be dead? Yes. Yes, it will. So I guess that doesn't really work. Um, but whatever. Maybe you'll have another Orc. Wait a second. Is Okun? No. Cyclops Berserker. Sadness. I'm very sad right now. I thought Okun might be an orc. That would totally make sense. Alright, well. Uh it would fizzle if Orcish Captain dies, so I guess we're down to it just being another 0.9 average that you have to pay mana for. Next is Planar Chaos and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, sacrifice planar chaos. 
And whenever a player plays a spell, that player flips a coin. If he or she loses the flip, counter that spell. Because of the ruling on Akun or Zinder split, either way, if you if an opponent loses a flip, that does not count as you winning a flip. That sadly would not work. Puppet's verdict is one red red for an instant. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, destroy all creatures with power 2 or less. If you lose the flip, destroy all creatures with power 3 or greater. So this is just another wrath, kind of. I mean, it might not turn out well, but hey, you got a 50% chance of getting what you want. And if you win the flip, then... Well, if you win the flip, destroy all creatures with power 2 or less. So if you win, you get the triggers from... Okun and Zinder Split, and if you lose, then you lose them both, and you don't get the triggers. Oh wait, no, you keep you keep Okun. So you're either losing Okun or Zinder Split, depending, uh, depending on how it goes. But the one way you get to keep the bigger one that can attack if you've won, which is even larger. The other way, you don't, because you lost. Um, and you get to draw cards and benefit like that. I don't know. Uh, which is better? Risky move. Is three red red for an enchantment? At the, sorry, three red 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 for an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player gains control of risky move. When you gain control of risky move from another player, choose a creature you control and an opponent. Flip a coin. If you lose the flip, that opponent gains control of that creature. So technically, when an opponent wins a coin flip, I will get the triggers from Zindersbolt and Okun. Meaning that with those triggers, I will draw a card or get that. And so long as the opponent wins. If the opponent loses, it does not count as anyone winning because of the rolling on those. Scoria Worm. Scoria Worm is four and a red for Creature Worm. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, return Scoria Worm to its owner's hand. So again, we're talking about that 0.9 average, and we're ta and we can just re reset it. Next is Skittish Valesque. Skittish Valesque is six and a red for Creature Beast. At the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, turn Skittish Valesque face, face down. Five five morph. Five and a red. So again, for the hundredth time, we are talking about that 0.9 average and we can reset it. Skyclaw Thrash. Three, blue, red for an artifact creature via Shino Wario. Wari warrior. Wario. Uh, whenever via whenever Skyclaw Thrash attacks, flip a coin. If you win the flip, it gets plus one plus one and gains flying until end of turn. This is great because there's no downside. If I lose the flip, so I get to just keep on flipping coins every single turn. Next is Sorcerer's Strong Box. Four for an artifact, two, tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, sacrifice Sorcerer's Strong Box and draw three cards. That's good. Um, You get, no it's not. It's six mana for an average of one and a half cards. That's terrible. Oh wait, if you think about it, it's an average of two cards, because if you win, You'll draw off of Zindersbolt. Yay! Six mana for an average of two cards. That's pretty bad. 
But so is this deck, and it's chaos, so, you know. Next is Squeeze Revenge. Squeeze Revenge is one blue red for a sorcery. Choose a number, flip a coin that many times or until you lose a flip, whichever comes first. If you win all the flips, draw two cards for each flip. So if you choose one, then you have a 50% chance of drawing two cards. So that's an average of one. And if you choose two, you have a 25% chance of drawing four cards. So that's an average of one. And if you choose three, you have a 12.5% chance of drawing six cards. So that's an average of six eighths of a card. So that is worse. And I guess the best number to choose is two because then you can flip and hopefully win. You can flip more coins and get more benefit from your creatures. Or you might just choose a massive number and hope you get really lucky because you want to win with Okun. Who knows? If you don't want the cards, you can do that. Next is Stitch in Time. Stitch in Time is one blue-red for sorcery. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, take an extra turn after this one. So if you win the flip, you can probably kill a person with Okun and then you have another chance to do it in the next turn. You just have another chance to trigger all of these things. That is great. Next is Tide of War. Tide of War is for red red for an enchantment. Whenever one or more creatures block, flip a coin. If you win the flip, the defending player sacrifices all blocking creatures. Otherwise, the attacking player sacrifices the blocked creatures. So hopefully I'm not the one doing the attacking. Sadly, I do have to attack with Okun. So hopefully I win that flip. Um, hopefully they don't block because Okun doesn't actually have any evasion. And because evasion is in such high demand, I'm not really running very much. So known as like one, one card, uh, being a land, being Rogue's Passage. So hopefully they don't block, which they will almost definitely be able to do. And then I have a 50% chance of losing my dude. So yeah, that's pretty bad. But I just get so many benefits from Zindersbolt that it's okay. I don't need Okun to always be my win condition. Well, I, I, I actually kind of do because I don't really have another great win condition. But that, that's another issue. Next is Viashino Sandswimmer. Two red red for a summon Viashino. Red, flip a coin. If you win the flip, return Viashino Sandswimmer to its owner's hand. Otherwise, sacrifice Viashino Sandswimmer. So I can activate that red ability over and over and over again with my mana. Uh, limited only by mana, not by it being sacrificed because they would all go on the stack. Next up is Volatile Rig. Volatile Rig is 4 for an artifact creature construct with Trample, 4-4, four, four, and it attacks each turn if able. And whenever Volatile Rig is dealt damage, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, sacrifice Volatile Rig. And whenever Volatile Rig dies, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, it deals 4 damage to each creature and each player. So, if you lose, if you win the flip, you get a benefit. If you lose the flip, you sacrifice it. And then if you lose another flip, 
it deals four damage to each creature and each player, which kind of sucks because you've just lost two flips. Or, well, I guess it's after combat, so most likely Okun will be benefited and most likely he will survive. Sadly, Zinderspolt will die, but if you win the flips, then you're good. And if you lose the first flip, then you just have another chance to win the second flip. Next is Wild Worm. Wild Worm is 3 in a red for a summon worm. When Wild Worm comes into play, flip a coin. If you lose the flip, return it to its owner's hand. Okay. So, I mean, I just get to flip a coin. And I'm guaranteed to win at some point. But I have to pay mana every time I lose. That's fine, I guess. Uh, red for so Winter Sky is red for sorcery. Flip a coin. Target opponent calls heads or tails while the coin is in the favor is in the air. If the flip ends up in your favor, it deals one damage to each creature and each player. Otherwise, each player draws a card. So I mean, either way, I draw. I mean, my other the other players draw too, but whatever. Honestly, I'm good with one dam damage being dealt to all the creatures. I don't have very many creatures I care about in this deck, never mind creatures I care about with power or toughness of one. Wirefly Hive is an three for an artifact, three, tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, put a two-two Wirefly artifact creature token with flying into play. If you lose the flip, destroy all Wireflies. I could just flip that coin every turn. I don't really care too much about wireflies, but they're a nice bone benefit. Next is Yidwin Afrit. Red, red, red for creature Afrit. 3-6. Whenever you're attacked, flip a coin. If you lose a fl the flip, Yidwin Afrit can't block this turn. Whew. That was a massive, massive pile of cards that benefit. Zinder Split and Okun. So, yeah, that is that. Next category is Flipping Benefit. So, this, these are cards that give me benefits from flipping my cards, my coins. That'd be weird, flipping your cards. That's probably an uncard somewhere. Makes me think of Chaos Orb. Uh, whatever. Next is Chance Encounter. Chance encounter is two red red for an enchantment. Whenever you win a coin flip, put a luck counter on chance encounter. At the beginning of your upkeep, if chance encounter has 10 or more luck counters on it, you win the game. Hey, wait, that's a win con. Plus with Zinderspool, I can draw so many cards, I can probably draw into it. Considering I'm running 46 cards that just kind of draw for me, I can win. I could probably win. Wow, I didn't realize. Clark's Thumb is two for a legendary artifact. If you would flip a coin instead, two flips, instead flip two coins and ignore one. So that just means that all my odds go up significantly of success. All right, so that is the deck. The idea of the deck is just to flip coins and draw cards and hopefully be able to kill a couple people with Okun. But because I have no evasion, I'm probably not going to be able to kill anyone with Okun, so I'll just have to draw off the Zinderspult until I get a chance encounter. Which will take a while. So that's the deck. Uh, we have... Yeah. I mean, we have 46 cards that just say flip a coin and are basically unplayable. 
That does include Chance Encounter and Kirk's Thumb. And we have 12 mana rocks, which are pretty darn playable, and it kind of sucks to have them gone. But, whatever. Um, I mean, the rest of the deck is relatively unplayable. And, by my judgments, I have been plenty conservative. I actually have a couple more ways of measuring that now than I did in the past, but I will go over that once we get into my collection stat. Alright, so that was that deck. It is time to get on to the next deck. The commander for this deck is Halar the Fire Fletcher. Halar the Fire Fletcher is one red green for a 3-3 legendary creature elf archer with trample. And whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, put a plus one plus one counter on Halar the Fire Fletcher. Then Halar deals damage equal to the number of plus one plus one counters on it to each opponent. So that means that I'm gonna get tons of plus one plus one counters on Halar. And then I'm going to deal a ton of damage. Now, let's start with cards that have Kicker. Now, there are a lot of cards with Kicker. I am running 36. And that is because, first of all, they're not really playable anywhere else. And second of all, uh, I mean, they're just... They deal the damage. They give me plus one plus one counters. If I really need to, I can just play all kickers. But that's not really the most efficient way of doing it. So let's start with that. First of all, we have Burst Lightning. Burst Lightning is red for an instant with kicker four. Burst Lightning deals 2 damage to target creature or player. If Burst Lightning was kicked, it deals 4 damage to that creature or player instead. Ah, uh, it's just a 5 mana thing that has kicker, and if I want to kill someone, if I want to kill an opponent's thing, I can do that. That might allow me to trample through with Halar, or something else. Who knows? But, that is quite helpful. Next up, we have sorry, Canopy Surge. Canopy Surge is one and a green for a sorcery with Kicker 2. Canopy Surge deals one damage to each creature with flying and each player. If you paid the Kicker cost, Canopy Surge deals four damage to each creature with flying and each player instead. So if you read Halar the Fire Fletcher, whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, put a plus one plus one counter on Halar the Fire Fletcher, then Halar the Fire Fletcher deals damage to the equal to the number of plus one plus one counters on it to each opponent. Then you will realize that if it deals four damage to each opponent and it gets kicked, then that will help me get much, much closer to my goal of killing it. Next is Sitinal Wood Readers. Sitinal Wood Readers is two and a green for creature human root druid, kicker two and a green. When Sitinal Wood Readers enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, draw two cards. Uh, yeah. That's just a way to draw cards and kick. Uh, Deathforge Shaman is four and a red for creature ogre shaman, multi kicker. It's a four three, red. 
When Deathforge Salmon enters the battlefield, it deals damage to target player equal to the, twice the number of times it was kicked. So if there's one player that has like 10 more life than everyone else, then just kick it 5 times, and they're all even, and then Pilar will deal even more damage to them. Or you could just kill a player if possible. Next is Emblazoned Golem. Emblazoned Golem is 2 for a 1-2 artifact creature golem. Spend only colored mana on X. No more than one mana of each color may be spent this way. If you paid the kicker cost, Emblazoned Golem comes into play with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. So I'm pretty sure that you cannot play zero, pay zero on this, but you could just pay one or two. Uh, it's pretty cheap, it's only three mana, and it might even only be two, but I'm pretty sure that you cannot just pay zero for it. So that's just a way to get another kicker. Next up is Everflowing Chalice. Everflowing Chalice is zero for an artifact, multi-kicker two. You may pay an additional two any number of times you, as you cast this spell. And Everflowing Chalice enters the battlefield with a charge counter on it for each time it was kicked. You can add a colorless for each charge counter on Everflowing Chalice. So this means that I have Basically, I can kick that a ton of times, and that just helps me get a lot of mana. Plus, it's another thing with Kicker that I can just do for two mana. Next is Explosive Growth. Explosive Growth is green for an instant with Kicker 5. And target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If you paid the Kicker cost, that creature gets plus five, plus five until end of turn. It's just a six mana thing that, get, that can kick that gets benefit that gets benefit from Halar that is unplayable elsewhere. Next is Falling Timber. Falling Timber is two and a green for an instant. Kicker, sacrifice a land. You may sacrifice an, a, land, a land in addition to any other costs as you play this spell and prevent all combat damage target creature would deal this turn. If you paid the kicker cost, prevent all combat damage another target creature would deal this turn. So it's pretty bad, but it's kicker and it's only three mana and sacrificing a land, which does not require mana. So when you're going off, it doesn't require very much mana, only three, because you can just sacrifice a tapped land. Next is Forgotten Ancient. Forgotten Ancient is two and a green for zero three elemental. Whenever a player casts a spell, you may put a plus one plus one counter on Forgotten Ancient, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may move any number of plus one plus one counters from Forgotten Ancient onto any other creatures, aka move them all onto Halar. You get so many counters on Forgotten Ancient. You, your opponents are probably casting on average one, maybe even two spells every single turn. So including you also get plus one plus one counters from the spells you cast which you will be casting a lot of because of the benefits from halar so most likely you're probably going to get four or five counters every single turn onto halar which is just great next is gift of growth gift of growth is one in green for an instant kicker two Untapped target creature gets it gets plus two plus two until end of turn. 
If this spell was kicked, kicked, that creature gets plus two, plus four, plus four until end of turn instead. Uh, next is Gnarled Pack. Gnarled Pack is one in a green for a creature beast with multi-kicker, one in a green. Two, two. When Gnarled Pack enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. It's just a four mana thing that's kicked. Goblin Barrage is three and a red for a sorcery. Sacrifice an artifact or goblin kicker. Goblin Barrage deals four damage to target creature. If this spell was kicked, it also deals four damage to target player or planeswalker. Most likely I will not have an artifact or goblin. I'm running very few of both of those, but it's just not playable anywhere else. And I have decent odds. Next is Goblin Ruin Blaster. Look at that, it's a goblin. Two and a red for creature goblin shaman. Kicker red, haste. When Goblin Ruin Blaster enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, destroy target non-basic land. And it is a two one. Next is Grow from the Ashes. Grow from the Ashes is two and a green for a sorcery with kicker two. You may pay an additional two as you cast the spell. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If this spell was kicked, instead search your library for two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It does not say tapped, though they do not have to go onto the battlefield tap, so essentially you can get a kicker for three mana on the turn you're going off, which is quite good. Next up, we have Kavu Titan. Kavu Titan is one in a green for a creature Kavu. Kicker, two in a green. You may pay an additional two in a green as you play this spell. And if you paid the kicker cost, Kavu Titan comes into play with three plus one plus one counters on it and has trample. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Five mana kicker and it gets plus one plus one counters on it. Next is Keldon Overseer. Oh my gosh, I keep on bumping things, I'm sorry. Uh, Keldon Overseer is two and a red for a creature human warrior, three one. And it has kicker three and a red. Haste. When Keldon Overseer enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So, because you can gain control of the creature that means that it's just you can just steal the creature and hopefully that makes it easier for you to trample through with halar and deal some damage um plus you can attack with that creature maybe you can sacrifice it or something probably not there's only a couple of cards that let me sacrifice and they are kicker costs uh next is magma burst Magma Burst is three and a red for an instant. Kicker, sacrifice two lands. And Magma Burst deals three damage to target creature or player. If you played the kicker cost, Magma Burst deals three damage to another target creature or player. So it's just a four mana thing that can kick when you're going off. off. Next is Mold Shambler. Mold Shambler is three and a green for creature fungus beast. Kicker one and a green. When Mold Shambler enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, destroy target non-creature permanent. And it's a three three. Alright, next up we have Orin Reef Recluse. Orin Reef Recluse is two and a green for creature spider. 
Kicker Tuna Green. Reach. When Orin Reef Recluse enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, destroy target creature with flying. So, it's just a way to get rid of stuff with flying if I need to, plus I can have it be kicked, and it's only 6 mana. Next, well, 6 mana is kind of a lot. Next is Overload. Overload is red for an instant, kicker 2. Destroy target artifact if its converted mana cost is 2 or less. If you paid the kicker cost, destroy target artifact if its converted mana cost is 5 or less instead. It's just a way to get rid of artifacts. Plus, it's only 3 mana kicked, which is awesome. Pincher Spider is 2 and a green for a 2-2 kicker 3, or 2-3 kicker 3. Spider. You may, Pincher Spider may block as though it had flying. If you paid the kicker cost, Pincher Spider comes into play with a plus one plus one counter on it. So it's six mana to kick, which is kind of a lot. Next is Pouncing Cavu. Pouncing Cavu is one in a red for creature Cavu. Kicker two in a red. One one. First strike. If you paid the kicker cost, Pouncing Cavu comes into play with two plus one plus one counters on it and it has haste. Next is Primal Growth. Primal Growth is 2 and a green for sorcery. Kicker, sacrifice creature. Search your library for a basic land card, put that on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If Primal Growth growth was kicked, instead search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So, because if you sacrifice a creature, they come in untapped. If you sacrifice a creature, you're basically getting a one mana kicked spell. up we have scorching lava scorching lava is one in a red for an instant kicker red you may pay an additional red as you cast a spell scorching lava deals two damage to target creature or player if you paid the kicker cost that creature can't be regenerated this turn and if it would be put into a graveyard this turn remove it from the game instead so it's just a three mana kicker thing plus i can maybe get rid of some blockers from halar or just make it so he can trample over more. Next is Shivan Fire. Shivan Fire is red for an instant, kicker four. And Shivan Fire deals two damage to target creature. If this spell was kicked, it deals four damage to that creature instead. So that just means that I can deal some damage, get rid of some creatures in the way, and I get a kicker for five mana, which is okay. Next, we have Skitter of Lizards. Skitter of Lizards is red for a 1-1 creature lizard. Multi-kicker, one in a red. You may pay an additional one in a red any number of times as you cast this spell. Haste. Skitter of Lizards enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. So it's three mana and I can kick it. Next is Skizix. Skizix is 3 in a red for a 5-3 creature elemental, kicker red. Trample, haste. At the beginning of the end step, if Skizix wasn't kicked, sacrifice it. So it's an additional way to get a 5 mana kicker and just get a little bit of extra damage in. Um, but you might not want to kick it because it'll probably die either way. But you probably do just to get benefit from Halak. Next is Strength of the Tajuru. Strength of the Tajuru is X green green for an instant multi-kicker. You may pay an additional one as any number of times as you cast this spell. 
Choose target creature, then choose another target creature for each time strength of the Tajuru was kicked. Put X plus one plus one counters on each of them. So you could just choose Halar and put plus one plus one counters on him. Maybe there's another creature you want to do, but that seems unlikely and it seems better to just put the counters on Halar. Plus, Halar gets kicked, which sadly it's on cast, so Halar's, Halar will trigger and then the, the spell will resolve. So those benef- those will not, those plus one plus one counters will not help immediately. Next up, we have Thicket Elemental. Thicket Elemental is three green green for a creature elemental. Kicker, one and a green. And when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you may reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. If you do, put that card onto the battlefield and shuffle all other cards revealed into your library this way. So, that means that i mean it's just a way to draw another card so that's pretty good um next we have torch slinger torch slinger is two and a red for creature goblin shaman kicker one in a red when torch slinger enters the battlefield if it was kicked it deals two damage to target creature so that is pretty good uh, next is Unstable Footing. Unstable Footing is one and is a red for an instant. Kicker three and a red. Damage can't be prevented this turn. If Unstable Footing was kicked, it deals five damage to target player. Next is Verderan Emissary. Verderan Emissary is two and a green for a creature, human wizard. Kicker one and a red. When Verderan Emissary enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, destroy target artifact. It can't be regenerated. This is just a way to get rid of an artifact, and I can kick it for relatively cheap. Next up is Wild Onslaught. Wild Onslaught is 3 and a green for an instant with kicker 4. Put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on each creature you control. If this spell was kicked, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on each creature you control instead. So that does include Halar, so Halar will get bigger. So that is that category. I am running overall 33 cards with kicker, which is a pretty good amount. And it will make it so that when I do want to kill my opponents, it will not be too difficult. Although it is a high mana cost in this group, my quote-unquote low-ish, yeah, no, it's pretty low, 2.92 average CMC is not really accurate. But either way, I am running 33 cards with Kicker. I probably actually should be like, an average CMC or four or maybe even five who knows but that is that next is plus one plus one so these are cards that put plus one plus one counters on Halar there have been some in the kicker category but I decided I would make that a higher priority over plus one plus one next is okay so we have ancient animus ancient animus is one in a green for an instant Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. If it's legendary, then it fights target creature and opponent controls. Blessings of nature is four and a green for sorcery. Distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures. And it has a miracle of a green. You may cast this card for its miracle cost when you draw it if it's the first card you drew this turn. So that means I just put four counters on 
Halar. And who knows, maybe I'll just draw it and pay it for one. Next is Courage in Crisis. Courage in Crisis is a sorcery. As tuner green for sorcery, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Then proliferate. That's good. I just get two counters. Plus, if you looked at all the kicker stuff, a lot of the benefits for kicker were putting plus one plus one counters on the creature. So it might proliferate a lot of extra stuff too. Next is Decree of Savagery. Decree of Savagery is 7 green green for an instant, 9 mana for an instant. Put 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on each creature you control. Well, while I might decide to do it this way, the most likely method I will use is I'll just cycle it for 4 green green. When you cycle it, you may put 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Halar. So target creature technically, but Halar. Next is Domri's Ambush. Domri's Ambush is red-green for sorcery. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker you don't control. This puts a plus one plus one counter on it and helps me deal more damage. Next is Evolution Sage. Evolution Sage is two and a green for creature elf druid. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. And it's a three two. So I could just make my Halar, and the other creatures that got benefited with plus one plus one counters from being kicked. I can just make them absolutely massive. Next is Evolutionary Escalation. Evolutionary Escalation is one in green for enchantment. Beginning of your upkeep, put three plus one plus one counters on target creature you control and three plus one plus one counters on target creature an opponent controls. I'm gonna give you a hint. If an opponent is dead, it doesn't matter if they have plus one, plus one counters on their creatures. Giving it to your opponents is a very, very small downside. Because there's so many things. You get to choose what creature that goes on. So it is not really that good for the opponent. Plus, you can make some good deals with it. It is quite good in this deck. And not great in another deck. In most other decks. Next is Forced Adaptation. Forced Adaptation is green for an enchantment aura enchant creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on enchanted creature. That's great. Hydra's Growth is two and a green for an enchantment aura enchanted cre- enchant creature. When Hydra's Growth enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on enchanted creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, double the number of plus one plus one counters on enchanted creature. Doubling makes it significantly larger. If I have three, then it goes six, then it goes 12. That is just so fast. It gets large so quickly. Plus it enters and it gives it a plus one plus one counter. So if I have nothing on it, or if I have very little on it, it just helps me get a really nice boost. All right, next up is increasing savagery. Increasing savagery is two green green for sorcery. Put five plus one plus one plus one counters on target creature. If increasing savagery was cast from a graveyard, put ten plus one plus one counters on that creature instead. And you can flash it back for five green green. So you may cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback, then exile it. So I could play increasing savagery the turn after I play Halar, and it suddenly has five plus one plus one counters on it. And then later in the future, 
and then I can just start kicking it, getting it bigger and dealing more damage. And if my opponents deal with that threat, then when I cast Halar again and I flash it back, then it will have 10 and it'll be even worse for them. So next is Obsessive Skinner. Obsessive Skinner is one in a green for creature human rogue. When Obsessive Skinner enters battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. And it has Delirium. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. I have a good amount of instants and sorceries. I have a couple ways to sacrifice my lands. And I have creatures. And I have all these. Of course, I have other things. But I am pretty likely to have Delirium. And being able to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature, every single upkeep, including my opponents, is just great. Order Ordeal of Nylea is one in a green for an enchantment or enchant creature. Whenever enchanted creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Then if it has three or more plus one plus one counters on it, sacrifice Ordeal of Nylea. Whenever you sacrifice, when you sacrifice Ordeal of Nylea, search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. So those two, those three plus one plus one counters don't necessarily have to be from Ordeal of Nylea. And being able to get that, being able to get counters on it from attacking is great. And at late game, I can just play it and it's two mana and I can get two lands tapped. Early game, I just play it and I attack and probably after the second time I've attacked, I probably had some other way to put counters on it. And I can get some lands to get me some mana. Next is Predatory Hunger. Predatory Hunger Predatory hunger is green for an enchant creature. Whenever any opponent successfully casts a creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on enchanted creature. That is amazing. You just get to put counters whenever an opponent casts a creature spell. That is pretty common you're probably gonna end up with one or two counters every single turn that is quite good next is retreat to kazandu retreat to kazandu is two and a green for an enchantment landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control choose one put a plus one plus one counter on target creature or you gain two life most likely you're just gonna put the counter on the creature but maybe you need some life so you have that as an option Next is Ring of Colonia. Ring of Colonia is two for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature has trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on equipped creature if it's green and it has equipped one. So every upkeep, I just get to put plus one plus one counters on it. It already has trample, but that's fine. And it's only three mana to play and equip. Next is Ring of Valkus. Ring of Valkus is two for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature has haste, and at the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on equipped creature if it's red. So, that means that I can put plenty of plus one plus one counters on it, and it has haste. Not plenty, but you know, I can put plus one plus one counters on it, and it has haste. Which, the haste is a small upside. Maybe if I cast it one turn later and then I decide to attack with it, but really it starts small as a 3-3, so I'm unlikely to do that. Next is Shape of the Watigo. 
It is three green green for an enchantment aura enchant creature. When shape of the Witigo and comes into play, put six plus one plus one counters on enchanted creature. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on enchanted creature if it attacked or blocked since your last upkeep. Otherwise, remove a plus one plus one counter on it. So I just get six counters for six mana, which is great. And I can add more if it attacks, which I will probably be attacking with it because of all these benefits for attacking and because it will be most likely a large creature. Next is Solidarity of Heroes. Solidarity of Heroes is one in a green for an instant. Strive, this spell costs one in a green more to cast for each target beyond the first. And choose any number of target creatures, double the number of plus one plus one counters on each of them. So, first of all, I can double the number of counters on Halar, which is awesome. Second of all, I can double the number of counters on the creatures that I have that just happen to kick and have plus one plus one counters on them. So, it is great and it is really cheap. Next is Verderous Gearhulk. Verderous Gearhulk is three green green for an artifact creature construct. Trample. When Verderous Gearhulk enters the battlefield, distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control. So I can just put four plus one plus one counters right onto Halar. Meaning that Halar will get quite large quite quickly after that and deal a lot of damage. Next is Vivian of the Arcbow. Vivian of the Arcbow is four green green for legendary creature. Vivian, legendary planeswalker Vivian, with five loyalty. Plus two, put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature. That is great because I could just make it large, and negative three target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. That's great, because I could start killing stuff. And Vivian, oh, and negative nine creatures you control get plus four plus four and gain trample until end of turn. That is un unlikely to be relevant. Next is Vivian Arcbow Ranger. Arc it is one green, green, green for legendary planeswalker Vivian. Four loyalty plus one distribute two plus one plus one counters among up to two target creatures they gain trample until end of turn negative three target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker and negative five you may choose a creature card you own from outside the game reveal it and put it into your hand so technically the negative five doesn't actually do anything which sucks but whatever so that is plus one plus one. Now we have a couple more small categories, but that is really the idea of the deck. The, the idea is I try and pile on lots and lots of plus one plus one counters. Then I kick three or four spells and I try and kill everyone. Next are damage. So these are some cards that just help me pump out a small amount more damage, and that's why they're in the deck. Gratuitous Violence is two red, red, red for an enchantment. If a creature you control would deal damage to a creature or player, it deals double that damage to that creature or player instead. So if Halar deals damage to a creature or player, then it deals double. The great thing about Gratuitous Violence is it only doubles the damage my creatures deal. So, that is quite good. 
Next is Mage Slayer. Mage Slayer is one red green for an artifact equipment. Whenever a equipped creature deal it attacks, it deals damage equal to its power to the defending player. So when it has trample and when it can deal damage to the defending player, it makes it pretty darn easy to kill that player. Next is Strionic Resonator. Strionic Resonator is two for an artifact. Two, tap, copy target triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copies. If Halar's, the, the thing that Halar does where it gets a plus one plus one counter and then deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of plus one plus one counters is a triggered ability and there are no targets. So it doesn't matter if, that you get to choose new targets. Meaning that I can copy it, get another plus one plus one counter and deal that damage to each opponent, which just helps me pump out some more damage. Next category is some value. We have a sapling infestation. It's one in a green for an enchantment. Uh, whenever a player plays a kicker spell cost, you may put a one one green sapling creature token into play. So yeah, I mean, it's value. It doesn't really help the game plan too much. Just I'm running 33 cards with kickers, so I might as well. Next is mana geyser. Uh, this is like mana. It just helps me get some mana so I can go off and do stuff. Uh, mana Geyser is three red, red for a sorcery. Add red to your mana pool for each tap to land your opponent's control. Traverse the Outlands is four and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to X basic land cards where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Put those cards onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. So those just help me get mana. Which is really helpful. Mana Geyser just gives me like 7, 20, probably 20 mana. Um, that seems like honestly a middling case for this card. For Mana Geyser. And Traverse the Outlands. The entire deck is focused on making one creature large. Of course I'm going to be able to get a lot of lands. Plus with the random kicker spells that just make my creature bigger. Or a couple of auras and stuff that I'm running that make my creature larger, but don't give it a plus one plus one counter, that will help too. So I can grab a whole lot of basic lands and I'm running 30, so that, that shouldn't really be an issue either. Next is Keen Sense. This category is draw. Keen Sense is green for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. When enchanted creature deals damage to an opponent, you may draw a card. This just means every time that Halar triggers, I can draw a card. And I might equip, equip it to something else, but it's just a good way to get some draw going. Um, and Snake Umbra. Snake Umbra is two and a green for an enchantment or enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has whenever this creature deals damage to an opponent, you may draw a card and totem armor. If enchanted creature would be destroyed, instead remove all damage from it and destroy this aura. So it is protected by that and it gets lots of plus one plus one counters. It is time to get into the lands. I have 20 forests, 10 mountains, and this is one of the decks that has the most non-basic lands in it because there's actually a good amount of cards that synergize with it. We have Cave of Temptation, land, tap, add colorless, one tap, add one mana of any color, four tap, sacrifice Cave of Temptation, put two plus one plus one counters on target to target creature. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. 
Next is Forge of Heroes. Forge of Heroes is a land, tap, add colorless, choose target commander that entered the battlefield this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature, and a loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker. So I can put a plus one plus one counter on it, give it a head start. Guild Mage's Forum is a land, and I can tap it for colorless, or I can pay one and tap it, add one mana of any color. If that mana is spent to cast a is spent on a multicolored creature spell that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it karn's bastion is a land and it can tap for a colorless or i can pay for and tap it to proliferate net yanawar reborn is a land and it enters the battlefield tapped and i can tap it for a green and it has graft one this create this land enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may move a plus one plus one counter on, from this land onto it. Next is Opal Palace. Opal Palace is a land and it is a land and it has tap add a colorless. One tap add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. If you spend this mana to cast your commander and enters the battlefield with a number of additional plus one plus one counters on it, equal to the number of times it's been cast from the command zone this game. So, if I decide to cast it again, I can get two, but most likely, I'll just get one. It's the first time that you cast your commander in the game, it will count, and it will get a plus one plus one counter. So, Halar will just start off with a plus one plus one counter, and it might even get two or three in the future. Next is Orin Reef, the Vastwood. Land Orin Reef. Vastwood enters the battlefield tapped, and you can tap it for a green, or you can tap it and put a plus one plus one counter on each green creature that entered the battlefield this turn. Those are the lands. As you can see, uh, seven of them just put plus one plus one counters on Halar. Um, this is a great deck. I ju you just put plus one plus one counters on Halar, then you just cast some kicker spells and you try and kill your opponents. That's the entire idea of the deck and honestly it looks pretty good so that is the decks so now it is time to go into the collection statistics so i have now 977 cards that i've knocked out i am 120th of the way there it is time for the collection statistics so first of all I discovered a couple new ways to figure out exactly how much, how, what, how good the cards I'm playing overall are. Whether I'm being conservative enough, am I being too conservative, etc. So, first of all, uh, the first method I have is the common uncommon rare mythics. So, in reality, there's roughly an equivalent number of all of those but in this sample we have 422 commons 303 uncommons 229 rares and there's about an eighth the number of the other ones of mythics and 23 mythics which means that i'm being pretty conservative by that measure the second measure i decided i would research is the average cost of a card that is legal in commander so i looked up how much a how much it would cost to buy all cards in magic 
and I found this number of $175,000. So I went on the band list, and I cut off all the expensive cards, like, for example, Black Lotus, Ancestral Recall, All the Moxin, etc. So I cut off $35,000. That's a $35,000 band list. And I'm down to $140,000. Divided by 20,000 cards is an average of $7 per card. That is really high. And I did just go on what a random person on Reddit said it would cost. And I'm not sure exactly when he said that. But I'm just going for that. I'm just going with that. Um, honestly, I feel like it should be lower, but my intuition is not really a great measure. So, if we figure out that it's an average of $7 per card, if you look at mine, I'm averaging about a $1.10-$1.20 per card. I have 977 cards and uh, an estimated value on TCG Player of uh, $1,100. $14 and on Card Kingdom of $1,300. So we're talking about like maybe $150-ish. We're not talking about huge numbers. We're not talking about $7. So by that I'm being extremely conservative. Uh, the, the next measure I found was what's the average number of decks that a card is played on on EDH rec and I found out that that is 900 sadly I don't have any way of figuring out what my average for that is but I do think that that is a good way to measure it like how much is this particular card played and I'm guessing if we're thinking about 900 cards I'm guessing almost every single one of these is I'm guessing I'm probably at 75, and if we look at all the other different ways that I am measuring it, all the other ways, it just lines up. It looks like I'm being really conservative. So I don't know, but I don't. I think I'm being plenty conservative. I am not really planning on making myself more conservative in recent, pretty soon. And honestly, I'm satisfied with the decks that I'm making. I feel like these measures are wrong, and I think I'm just gonna keep going. And if I get a power push at the end, that's great. Because the end is gonna be the hardest. Because right now, I'm just cherry picking cards with only a couple of cards that I can't use. I'm down a thousand, right? I'm just getting this great synergy. So. In the end, it's going to be the hardest, so if I save the most powerful cards for the end, who knows, maybe I should end with a good stuff deck. But, I don't know. I'm at 977 cards, which is kind of funny because I was hoping that I'd be at 1,000, because then I'd be 1,000 cards, I just passed 100 listens, I have no idea whether that's good or not, but uh, I did that. I was hoping that those would line up, but no, I'm at 977 cards. All right, so if we're looking at the uh, color ratios, we have red being played the most with 213 
we have black being played the second most with 161. We have green playing the third most, 144, white 136, and blue 106. So maybe I'll make like an Azorius deck. And again, we have low on multicolor and 160, so 57, and 160 on colorless. So maybe I'll make like an Azorius deck, maybe a Bant deck or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, if we look at the types, we have 587 creatures, 104 sorceries, 128 artifacts, 37 lands, 65 enchantments, and 100 instants, and I'm pretty sure we have 3 tribal, and like 3 planeswalkers? 3 planeswalkers. So if we look at that in comparison to the number of cards that I can legally play, we know that the 1 20th of cards are lands that are non-basic. So that's roughly accurate. We also know that slightly over half of the cards are creatures, so that fits up pretty well. We know that roughly one-ninth of cards are sorceries. So that would be roughly 100, which I'm at 104. That's That lines up pretty well. We know that again, one-ninth instance, 128. That's actually slightly more. That's pretty good. We have one-ninth artifacts. Uh, sorry, 100 instance, 128 artifacts. So again, that fits up pretty well. And we know again, one ninth enchantments, which were at 65. So I'm running pretty close to all these numbers, except for enchantments, 45-ish below where it should be. But other than that, these numbers are lining up really well with all the statistics I can pull of what all the average of all cards are. Of course, uh, that doesn't apply with all the things of am I playing uh, equivalent power level, all of those category, but it's all in a positive way. It makes it seem as if I'm being conservative enough, which again is just hard for me to believe. It just seems like my decks should be worse. I'm building so many decks with such a limited card pool and so much jank. Just makes me think when I pull out my binders of random cards, they're all jank, right? So shouldn't there be so, so, so much more jank than there should be playable stuff? And I'm thinking, no. I think that that conception is wrong. All right. That's that's the statistics. Uh, I don't know what my conclusion to this is. I just think that I'm making good progress on this. And all the statistics I have pulled have been looking good. So, yeah. It's time for card of the week. The card of the week this week is Runic Armasaur. Runic Armasaur is one green green for a creature dinosaur 2-5. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of a creature or land that isn't a mana ability, you may draw a card. So this 
was the hardest card for me to to get um, information from. So what I did was I filtered by cards that say colon, do not say add, so activated abilities that do not add mana, so not mana abilities, and I filtered by it being a creature or land. So that way I get creatures or lands that have activated abilities that are not mana abilities. Then what I did was I manually uh, got some of the cards and I categorized them by what type, how much card advantage I would expect them to give me in a game. Do I expect them to give me one card? What Maybe they'll give me a card so I added like plus one half. Maybe they'll, they'll probably give me like two cards, which is crazy. And ones that are just like absolutely awesome with it. They will probably give me like three cards, which is awesome. But there's like three cards in that category. Um, so then what I did, I did that for a couple, like probably two or three hundred cards. And then because I was looking at a list of 2,000 cards and look, I, I simply cannot do everything. I took the same ratios I went on EDH, so what I did with that was I figured out the number of cards being played in each category, then I took the same ratios and added those numbers of decks, uh, in assuming it's the same ratios for all of those cards. Basically, that means that there's seven, an average of 7.22 activated ability cards in each deck. That number is deceiving because it's not really an average of that. In reality, it's if there's something that makes me draw two, then that counts as two. So mathematically, that does work. Um, so on turn eight, basically, in order for this card to be worth it, I want a card advantage of three. I want to either have me have drawn three cards or my opponents to not be able to use three of their cards because they just don't, it's not worth it anymore. So on turn eight, we have a 70% chance of our opponents have drawn enough for that to happen, which is kind of mediocre. I mean, it's a 2-5. If you can take advantage of that 2-5, it is great. Because if we make that down to 2, the numbers go up. The odds of you drawing 2 with it is huge. But it's not really worth... It's not an amazing card draw source until we get up to 3. So if you can use that creature, then it's amazing. But if you can't, then you are just, like, probably gonna get 3. It's, it's mediocre. It's the 110th card. So if you have some type of restriction, this is a great card. Because of, you'll almost always get two, and you'll usually get three. Which is great. So we're talking about like an average of two and a half cards. So it's good, it's just usually not good enough in comparison to other cards. 
So that's my conclusion. If you have a use for this creature part of it, not just for the ability or any way to abuse it at all, then it becomes really good. If you don't and you have very limited restrictions, as such as like no budget, etc., then it is probably not playable. So in a good amount of scenarios, this is playable. But it can also underperform, so you have to be really careful. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.